0: From the silver screen to the GM screen, Never Say Die asks, what can we learn from movies to enhance a role-playing game experience? This season was all about kids-on-bikes movies, where kids 18 years of age or younger got themselves into and out of trouble and kept their agency while doing so, usually in a specific location, which was essential to the plot. I'm Rafe Telsch, film critic. And I'm Drew Meyer, gaming enthusiast. And today, finally, (laughs) we are wrapping up our first season of Never Say Die. We're going to take a second look at the 12 movies that we selected to showcase this film's subgenre. We'll rank those 12 films both in quality as films and as examples of the Kids on Bikes subgenre. Then we'll finalize our Kids on Bikes draft team, narrowing down our 12 draftees to a team of seven mundane kids and one peripheral adult. We'll discuss what we think of our final team uh, and may chat about what we might have done differently. Who knows? <laughs> you know, that's an option, right? finally we'll announce our theme for Never Say Die Season 2, why we chose it, and what you can expect moving forward. This conversation will contain spoilers for numerous Kids on Bikes films. You have been warned.
1: Which you know, really, that should go without saying because it's good. To, the numerous films are the twelve that we've already discussed and already spoiled. And if they haven't listened to those episodes, then this is a really weird episode to start on.
0: <laughs> I guess you know there are people who really like drafts, and True. Uh, you put the word draft in there or season finale. Uh, and I know a lot of folks who like to read the, the last page of a book before they begin at the start. It's weird, but you know that makes them happy. And who am I? And who are you? to tell people what not to do when it makes them happy.
1: (laughs) Well, this this podcast has made me happy, Drew. Uh, I mean, it's taken us two years to get through our first season of 12 movies, which is a little slower than I anticipated, but life you know is what happens when you're busy making other plans.
0: Sure. And when you miss an episode for 5 months, then right. you know, it's
1: yeah. And, and but I this this has been a blast. I've really enjoyed Kids on Bikes. You pointed out last episode that kind of the the genesis of this was in that one Beyond the Screens episode of my old podcast. So there was a kind of a long, long time coming, but I'm really it's been a blast doing this and I'm excited about where we're going next. I have to say that as well. Like I'm, as much as I've loved kids on bikes, I'm I'm super excited to also open the door on a new genre and see what discussions and gamifications we come up with there.
0: Yeah, agreed. I I think you know we mentioned maybe it was with uh, vampires versus the Bronx that I wasn't creating any new gamification for that one outside of a couple of ideas. We were mainly using ideas we'd already discussed. And maybe that's a really good sign that it's time to stretch your legs just a little bit. You know, the the greatest innovation usually comes from difficulties and when things become uncomfortable. And Kids on Bikes is a very comfortable genre of film because it's something that we grew up on. And while I got to say our next subgenre, not spoiling it yet, is something that I definitely grew up on, it's also something that I don't consider myself... Even remotely an expert in, and I'm really looking forward to changing that. We have an amazing list of films to discuss again for a, a future date yeah, um, but right now let's talk about those twelve films again you like you said, we have discussed them a lot, and yes. so what we're going to do is, you know, as we've discussed each film, we've given it a ranking between 1 and 10, both as a film as a quality of a film and then as a Kids on Bikes movie. So what we're going to do now is having finished that list, we have 12 films and we're just going to rank them um, from 12th to 1st, but rather than go through step by step, it was your genius idea to save a little bit of time and create a little bit more drama, uh, we are going to discuss our 12th movie and go into a little detail why it is um, at the bottom of the list. Certainly not saying worst I think that's really important I think there are no bad movies on this list
1: yeah no actually when I was compiling these lists I, I was looking at it I mean even when we ranked them in the episode, our lowest score uh, on a scale of one to ten as far as quality of movie was a five and like right. I, when I was a professional film critic for a number of years, I, I certainly reviewed a lot of movies that got below that. That actually tended to be the area that I covered mo- most was was bad movies. There's there's not a bad movie in this bunch. They're good movies. So this is more of a ranking comparatively against each other of how we like them as far as quality goes, and then how we like them as far as the specific genre goes.
0: Yeah, and I think anybody in the future who's coming to this podcast and might want to decide what films to watch next, maybe this ranking will help them with that decision. I certainly hope it will spark uh, some conversation, maybe even an argument if people disagree. Uh, Certainly they know where to find us to, to let us know. Shall we begin with our 12th place movie or should we discuss just a reminder what everybody uh, just remind everybody what our 12 movies were to begin with and how we rank them i don't know i feel like we've discussed that one an awful lot
1: <laughs> yeah uh, uh no let's go ahead and, and and jump into our individual rankings and that of course will cover all 12
0: okay shall we roll off to f- see who goes first or we should wait until uh... nah,
1: we'll roll off on the draft
0: you go ahead okay. on
1: quality film i'll cover uh kids on Parks. all right so what drew um, what is your 12th place film
0: yeah, this is a film I actually really liked uh, but when looking at them just overall film quality I originally gave this a 6.5 it was the bottom of my list uh, initially and that's BMX Bandits um, which I still say is a much better film if you're a kid than as, as an adult. Um, I think my appreciation of the film only grew watching it three times in a course of a month um, but Compared to all the rest of these films, it is going to go into the 12th place. Interesting, interesting.
1: Yeah, um, that is also my 12th film without like (laughs) holding any suspense. Um, I do think it's the weakest of the movies that we looked at. And I did uh, actually looking at the movies that I ranked lower. uh, That was exactly my my issue with those movies was I wasn't the target audience for them. And now that is not a flaw in the movie. That is just I'm not going to have that same connection with it as someone who is in the target audience with it will have. Um, And I, I think BMX Bandits is absolutely uh, a fine film. It is a fun kid venture. Uh, you know, I mean, we I certainly enjoyed talking with the filmmaker uh, for, for our special episode there. But it just compared to the other films that we looked at just didn't hold up as well.
0: Yeah. And, you know, from our last episode, we talked about some of the films we didn't discuss. There are some great movies that didn't make this list. And right. BMX Bandits was chosen to be on the, you know, the 12 films to kind of exemplify this genre. So, I mean, there's nothing wrong with just even being mentioned on this list. Now, the question is, do we jump to three or do we want to just kind of briefly list off our next ones, knowing that we're not going to go into detail about them? I think we jump to three
1: and then we'll, we'll, we'll do three, two, one, and then we'll recap the rest of them.
0: All right. Well, I'll go first then. In the third spot, movies overall is going to be... It Chapter 1. A film that I watched for the first time this year and have watched 3 times since. I think it is a phenomenal film. Before I say anything else, I want to find out what your your number 3 is and we can maybe come bounce why they go into those places. Sure. Uh
1: my number 3 film is also It Chapter 1. <laughs> <laughs> I swear, I think you're stealing my list here, Drew. No, um, I love this film. I had seen it prior to our conversation about it. I had watched it twice prior to that and then watched it for this. And watching it for this then inspired me to go back and read the original novel. And it's, it's funny how different those two products are, but it didn't bother me the same way that something like Stanley Kubrick's take on The Shining really bothers me as it is is so out disconnected from Stephen King's take on The Shining. Um, yeah. I, I feel like they made a film that was very true to the source material without being true to the source material. Uh, you know, and I, I know I made some complaints about some of the characterizations uh, and, I, and I hold hold those. But um, I think it is a fantastic Film, I think it's a fantastic horror movie, and we mm-hmm. didn't get to discuss a whole lot of those. Uh, it also, oddly enough, is, is the one in my top movies that I didn't have a nostalgia connection with. And if it was maybe a little older and I had more of a nostalgia connection to it, maybe it would have ranked even higher.
0: I think what's interesting is I was expecting this to be in the top three for sure, but I was actually expecting it to be a little higher. And I think the reason that it fell out of the, the first two spots for me was maybe its comparison to both the book and uh, the film that I watched in the 90s. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with this film. No. I mean, you know the, the way we ranked it, I don't think there's a single thing wrong with this film. And it's really solid. So, no. I mean, you know, it, it almost hurt me to put it at third, but um, there are two films that I think are better. And uh, I'm, I'm already making a guess that, you know, even though we've both chosen the same two films, I'm guessing that there's one more that we are going to have in common, and that's not going to be the second-place film. And I'm going to go ahead and name my second-place film now. Go ahead. Uh, and I think you probably will guess what this is for my second-place film, something that I've, I'm actually not surprised it's in this place, and that's Attack the Block. I think that this is a immensely, immensely rewatchable movie. And I think part of the reason that it got higher than It Chapter 1 is it is something that I find myself in the mood to watch more often than than It. I think It is maybe a little too heavy to jump into a, um and for me rewatchability is a major part of what makes a film good. There are films that are so great that I can't rewatch more often. We've talked about that um, on occasion, but I think it's very unique and I think its uniqueness is what catapulted it to the second place.
1: Yeah, that is not my second place movie, Drew. It is no, time for I'm us sure to not. depart from each other. Uh, and that in my second place, as I said, I had a nostalgic connection to it. Uh, I still have a nostalgic connection to it. I, I think it's a phenomenal film, revisiting it when we discuss this, and that is The Lost Boys. Uh, it, it has everything i want out of this kind of film uh and unlike many other other movies on our our list where the the, the kind of the focus shifts from a group to an individual and we complained about that with several of the movies mm-hmm. on our list uh this kind of does the opposite that it starts with the individual and then grows to a group when you get the frog brothers joining in um, yeah i did not take points off for the horrible sequel that we watched
0: <laughs> <laughs> Nor but, should you have
1: uh, But I did add points for the soundtrack that we failed to mention And then and then came back to um, Other than the uh, bathtub scene uh, of him, you know, uh, taking the bath with the bubble bath Which I do take points off for I, I just, I think it's still a flawless movie And I love the way it sets up its vampire mythology and carries through with it And I think it's just, you know, movies today wish they were as cool as Vampire Kiefer Sutherland
0: Well, and I'm going to add one more thing to that. And I think one of the things that should be considered when we're looking at that as a film, both in the genre and as a film, is that there is a nice mix of age groups uh, in this, that there are... Um, teenagers and there are young kids. And then I don't really know where the Frog Brothers fall. I think they're kind of more in the, the kids, but they're kind of straddling that line. But there's also a really good storyline for the adults that doesn't take away from the agency of the kids. Right. And I think that's really important because there's kind of an emotional core with that um, as well, which um, looking at our list here real quickly. I don't think another film. Nope, there isn't a single other film that does that. Yeah. Uh, and that's um, pretty important. Yeah. Cool all right uh, of all the films that we watch of all 12 films uh, there's can only there could be only one one and this is where I think we might be uh, converging again I would be surprised uh, nostalgia certainly plays a factor in this one uh, the sheer quality of this film is timeless uh, I thought going back into this that I probably wasn't gonna rank this as high and rewatching it it there's no other place it could be for me. Uh, so my number one film is Stand By Me.
1: Uh, yeah, my number one film is Stand By Me as well. Not only because it does have that nostalgic connection for me, but revisiting it when we covered it on, on here, it, it is a perfect movie. It, it is in, in so many ways just an absolute perfect movie. Uh, Because, you know, I enjoyed it as a kid. I enjoy it from a completely different vantage point as an adult. It's a movie that I feel like I can share with my teenage son right now. Uh, It's a movie I watched with my girlfriend when I rewatched it, you know, it's like, it is one of those movies that... You can watch at different stages of your life and get something new out of it, but also you can watch with a group of people, and all of you may get something different out of it. I, I think you know, just phenomenal,
0: and I, I loved our discussion on it as well. It's a timeless film, and I think it's it's definitely one of those films where it encapsulates an experience of what it's like to be a young boy, and wow. Let's face it, most of these Kids on Bikes films also try to capture that. None of them do it as well as this film. It is one of those films that I think you can show almost all ages. They have to have a certain level of tolerance to vomit. But uh, other than that... And leeches. Uh, <laughs> and leeches. Yeah, but I mean, like, you should be afraid of leeches. You should <laughs> be afraid of leeches. Honestly, Lost Boys surprised me, and I'm real happy. Like it's a very pleasant surprise. Let's just kind of jump back and we'll just go we'll go eleven to four and just we'll just name back and forth. Sure. Uh does that sound good? Sure. Uh for eleven I did frog dreaming. Same. Okay. Uh ten. Vampires versus the Bronx. Uh ten now and then.
1: Okay. Which I, so probably- I think if I had revisited it before we did this, uh I might have ranked it higher, but it tied into that whole I wasn't the target audience for it type thing.
0: Well, yeah, uh, when we get to my placing of now and then, it's where it is because of the bookends of the right. adults rather than the adventure that, um, with the girls, which I think is uh, would have skyrocketed to the top three. For number nine, I have the kid who would be king. Uh, the Gate. The Gate, fantastic. Uh, for me, number eight is The Gate.
1: For me, number eight is Vampires vs. the Bronx, which went up quite a bit from where I originally ranked it Like when we were giving it scores. Uh, that movie has grown on me significantly in the month since
0: we uh, discussed it. Fantastic. I always love to hear that. That's, that. I mean, that's like the best compliment you can give a film, right? Right. Uh, for me, number seven is Now and Then. Uh, Super 8. Okay. Uh, for number six, The Goonies. Ooh, number six, Attack the Block. Yeah, makes sense. I, I, I'm i guessing that would be a nice switch for that one. Uh, number five for me was Lost Boys. At number five was The Goonies. Yep. Uh, and number four for me, as far as overall quality of
1: film, is Super 8. Uh, and you ranked that higher than me significantly. Oh, you ranked a couple significantly, and I did too. Uh, for number four, The Kid Who Would Be King, which you put significantly nice. lower. So. Um, yeah, well, I also really appreciate discovering a lot more about Joe Cornish over the course of this podcast. <laughs> right?
0: Yes. Uh, I, you know,
1: I've added him to my list of filmmakers that I would love to have a conversation with.
0: <laughs> yeah, let's try to get Joe Cornish on the on the show, even if we're not going to be talking about kids on bikes after this. <laughs> All right. Uh, so that is how we rank them as far as overall quality of film. All good films. Um, now, specifically. Like we do with every episode, um, we rank every movie on a double axis, the quality of film and then the quality within the genre of kids on bikes. So again, they're all really good, but one of them has to be first and one of them has to be in twelfth spot. Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit why we put um, the 12th spot the way we did, and we'll go through um, third, second, and first as well. Uh, do you want to start us off with the Kids on Bikes ranking? Sure
1: thing. Uh, for my last-placed movie as far as Kids on Bikes, uh, I went with Frog Dreaming, a.k.a. The Quest, the movie that is is a fun kid-adventure film, and it has a kid on a bike, especially during that opening sequence, but really is not a kid's on bikes film it is a singular kid and you know that's that's not a problem if that's what you're going for but when we were looking these as kids on bikes movies it just never I, i never
0: was able to overcome that right this is such an interesting thing because for me as far as kids on bikes films my number 12 is stand by me interesting yeah i think it is a phenomenal film but as far as kids on bikes one of the things that's really essential for me is one they don't have bikes and i know that's not that big of a deal like they're still walking but the place um is it's a lot less it's more about an inner journey than an outward journey um mm-hmm. and while they did everything together there was still the focus on really the main two characters and two of the other ones were sort of supplementary backup characters that's fair. um so uh yeah it it <laughs> again Best movie of the bunch. Right. But as far as Kids on Bikes, I think it was really important that we discussed it. Yeah. I'm really glad. The stuff that came out of that conversation was great. But uh, for me, that was number, my number 12.
1: And I will say that, that ranked low for me. You'll see when we go over yeah. our full yeah, list. Yeah. That as, as much as it was a great movie, it's it's not. I agree with you. It's not at the pinnacle of the subgenre. Yeah. Um, number three. Number three. Now and Then. You know the Ooh. the female version of Stand by Me, as we <laughs> joked about in our Stand by Me episode. Uh, but I think the kids on bikes. You know, you take those bookends away the adult the adult bookends right. away. Uh, you focus on the actual meat of the movie, and it is a great. Kids on Bikes Adventure. Uh, it has everything in a Kids on Bikes Adventure that we want. It has emotion, it has mystery, uh, you know, it, it is a phenomenal journey. I just, you know, couldn't put it up there as far as my my top movies, uh, but I think as a Kids on Bikes
0: Adventure, it's really well done. I agree. Um, however, for number three, I have The Goonies. Uh, I think, you know, we are looking at three incredible films at the top spot but uh, even though it it definitely is the the beginning even though E.T. may have started the genre and everyone might have been trying especially after watching BMX Bandits which came before the Goonies and I can see the similarities in plot structure that uh, the Goonies had even though BMX Bandits came first I think that the thing that really highlights it is the team but it didn't hold as high to me as some of the other films So, uh, yeah, that's my number three. Wow. Interesting. Yeah, I know.
1: I know. I don't think we can be friends anymore. No, I'm kidding. Well,
0: (laughs) we have a whole new genre to uh, argue about coming up for next season. True. Uh, All right, number
1: two for me... Uh, was It Chapter 1. It's not only just a spectacular film, but it is a spectacular example of the kids on bikes genre. Uh, I do still have the issue that Beverly Marsh is, you know, sidelined. They do kind of sideline the female character. Don't like that. Uh, but otherwise, I think they they do avoid the pitfall of focusing too much on one specific character to the detriment of all the others. Uh, we did talk a little bit about how they do, they do kind of focus a little bit on... on Bill and and kind of the others fade away a little bit, but they're still there. You know, I think you sent me the behind the scenes, the clip that's playing behind the scenes uh, of when uh, the actor who plays Pennywise was on set that day asking the kids if they were ready to to mess him up, you know, when they were filming that final battle because they're all part of that battle as opposed to some of the other movies that we've watched where by the time that final battle comes, it's just that one central kid. Um, I think it plays on the fears of childhood in such a unique way, uh, you know, and, and the other movies will hit on it here or there, but it is so central
0: to what it is, and I think the movie accomplishes a, a great deal with that. I couldn't agree with you more, but that is not my second place. My second place is Attack the Block. Uh, I came into this saying that Attack the Block was my favorite kids on bikes movie that I had seen there were a couple of movies that I hadn't seen when we first started this I think subverting the genre generally um, gets to be the exception that proves the rule I think we got a great group of kids, even though, yes, Moses at the end is sort of the the hero who saves the day. I don't think there's any time where they aren't a group. I think they are on bikes. They are on uh, segues. They are on (laughs) everything throughout the entire film. I think the place is incredibly important to it. I think the level of social commentary that happens within it, I think it is, um, again, we talked about it being just such a unique film, you know, I definitely watched Goonies the first time and said everything is going to be judged on this. And then I watched Attack the Block and we're like, mm, you know what, it's going to be everything is going to be compared to both of these films. Um, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It's a um, good point of comparison. Yeah, I think it's a very good point of comparison. It's a very good film. I mean, rightfully so. It came in second on both of my lists, um, but not my number one. Uh, So what is your number one Kids on Bikes? As if there was any doubt as to what my number (laughs) one was going to be,
1: it was pretty much set from the beginning. Because without The Goonies, you just don't have any of these other movies. And I might point out, conversation we didn't have when we had about Goonies in our very first episode is diversity. We've criticized so many other films about not having diversity. And Goonies could be a little more diverse, but you have both male and female you have uh uh data in there you have mm-hmm. so it's they're not all just strictly young white males you know which is yeah, the, absolutely. which is what we have with a lot of these other movies and and I, I just i just think goonies laid the blueprint for this genre as a whole i think it's it is the most important movie uh, that we covered as far as the genre goes. And, and I, I think I would be doing it a disservice. I think anybody would be doing it a disservice, Drew, to not have it in their number one spot.
0: <laughs> well, uh, clearly I'm agreeing to disagree with you on that. Um, <laughs> I, I do want to uh, just add one more point. The thing that I think the Goonies does um, super well, and I, I mentioned that with Lost Boys as well, which is that um, you've got teenagers as well as kids, which is something that you don't normally see uh, in in that they actually work well together. Right. Um it, it's really it's an exceptional film. I think my appreciation of it probably went up. It wasn't super high when I first came into it, I don't think, but um uh I guess I just didn't have the same nostalgia as everybody else. My number 1 is It Chapter 1. Yeah. Um <laughs> I think it's a perfect kids on bikes film. Yep. I would even go so far as to give it a 10 to be honest. Ooh. Um, I think I think it takes the things that we talk about um, and certainly the lessons that it learned from Goonies and it applies it. Yes, I think the the, the definitely low section of this film is the, uh, the kind of sidelining of Beverly towards the end. Um, again, we talked about ways that could have been uh, avoided, but there's a certain source material it has to stick with. They changed around a couple of things fine. I think they really could have... Um, talked about the fairy tale aspect of it, which I think would have made it a little bit more fun. But other than that, the fact that we know that Derry is the location, they are on bikes in pretty much every scene. Mm -hmm. Everybody is a part of the team. It is a diverse team. And I would have maybe even given it more points had I been aware that there was a queer character in the first film, but we're not made aware of that until the second film, which I haven't seen. But I still think that, you know, I think that is a change uh, is, I think, really exceptional. Um, I, it Chapter One is great, and it still kind of boggles my mind when I think back on, like, I didn't have it in my life for a couple of years. I really wish I had seen it in the theater. But, yeah, always um, a great
1: experience. And, and, I, and I don't disagree with that choice at, at all, as much as I am criticizing you for not putting Goonies first. The, the bottom line is, those movies were so neck and neck on my list, the only thing that gave Goonies the edge over it is just the, the heritage factor, if you will. Sure. All
0: right. What did you have as your eleven? Uh, as my
1: so uh, eleven, I had Super Eight. Okay, uh, I had the Gate. Ten, I had Stand
0: By Me. Ten, I had Frog Dreaming. Nine, I had BMX Bandits. For number nine, I have the Kid Who Would Be King. Number eight, I have the Kid Who Would Be King. <laughs> <laughs> For number eight, I had the Lost Boys. Wow. Number seven, I had the Gate. For number seven, I had the Vampires Versus the Bronx.
1: Uh, six, I had the Lost Boys.
0: For number six, I have BMX Bandits.
1: <laughs> five, Vampires versus the Bronx. For number five, I have Super 8. And
0: for just barely missing the top three, Attack the Block. Four, just barely missing, and only because of the bookends I have now and then. So I love the fact that, that out of our
1: top four, three of them were the same. And that makes
0: just Sense. not in the same
1: order but we're the same yeah. but the rest of our list is all over the place now I forgot I should have we should have done the gag a minute ago uh, but I, in honor of BMX bandits we need to hear one more time
0: okay that can be done now <laughs> I decided that um, BMX bandits needed to uh, be honored for the sheer amount of bikiness uh, that was going on and it being the oldest film that we talked about in that group uh, I I believe, um, you know, predating them. So, and, and that is
1: a shortcoming of the kids on bikes genre is there's only so far back you can go because, you know, it's a genre that essentially debuted in the 80s. So yeah. that, that that leaves a whole history of, of, of film history that we never got to touch upon.
0: Yeah, agreed. Yeah, the kind of beginning of suburbia and children's independence within a small area, certainly. All right. Um, now, I did something else that I thought was kind of weird, but this is just how my brain works. I added up the numbers of each movie where they ranked on both lists just to kind of see what a third list would be, just who had the highest score and the lowest score, lowest being the best. Interesting. I just, it's the way I, I, my brain goes. And so I'm just going to run by that. I I had Frog Dreaming is 12, The Gate, The Kid Who Would Be King, BMX Bandits, Vampires vs. the Bronx, Stand By Me, The Lost Boys, Now and Then, Super 8, Goonies, Attack the Block, and It Chapter 1. Uh, And those are just combined scores looking at where they are really just very similar to my other ones. Not surprising, but yeah, I mean, just we had good films. Like it just, it would have been really weird if one of these had been not
1: good. Right. No, and as, as I said, you know, I, I don't think any of them are bad. When you look at how we ranked them during the original episodes, we, we still were positive, even if we, did, we didn't think it was the best thing, uh, because they are good movies. Uh, I highly recommend any of them to anyone. Rafe, we
0: have reached the point in this finale that I have been <laughs> dreading since before we started recording our first episode, and that is the draft finals. Uh, for those who are just joining us for the very first time, why? Um, (laughs) But it's entirely possible. We have, with every one of the films, the 12 films that we've just discussed, at the end of our discussion, we drafted one character from each of the films. Now, if you've done any kind of role-playing, and that is the second focus of our podcast, is the role-playing aspect of it, you know that if you've ever tried to game with 12 people at a table, it's difficult. So for a more manageable team... We were looking at something a little odd-numbered, so you could have... Voting became important. And since the Goonies' number of kids was seven, uh, we thought, seems right. And since so many of these films had a peripheral adult who helped them out in one way or another, we allowed one peripheral adult. Now, we have drafted more than seven kids, and in some people's cases, we have drafted more (laughs) than one peripheral adult. Uh, So now what we're going to do is we are going to pare all of that down. And... Because we're nothing if not complicated, we have rules uh, regarding how we are going to do so. So this draft is going to take up seven rounds. The first round, we will just name one of the characters that we're going to keep. Round two, one of the characters that we're going to keep. In round three, we are going to name two characters. And after we've named those two characters, we're going to name whether or not they're going to be a keeper or one that we're dropping from the team. We're going to do the same for rounds 4, 5, and 6. So, when it comes to round 7, we will have several characters remaining on our team, but we also will have the option of taking one of the kids or adults that the other person has dropped to bring onto our team, which we have been affectionately referring to as strays, which means that at the end of that, we will have 7 kids, One per full adult, and four that have been dropped. Rafe. You know, Drew,
1: I've given you a hard time because you've made it uh, painfully clear, both in previous episodes, in private conversations, and on social media, just how much you have been wrestling with this choice. You have a, a board up with red string all over the place and oh no, no, sorry. That's your conspiracy theories. You, but you did have a board with your characters and like picturing things out and such. And I I I finally sat down this afternoon. I've been I mean, I've been running it in my head all along. Sure. I knew exactly what I was going to do and I sat down this afternoon to put it to paper and I still had one character left to cut that I didn't uh-huh. realize I had done the math wrong in my head, and I spent the next hour and a half grappling with this decision of who was getting cut. So, uh, no, you had the right idea all along, and my procrastination just meant I wasn't haunted by it until the last minute.
0: Well, I will say this. Um, Once we made our final selections, and all 12, and we knew what our options were, I started working on potential lists. And I have four possible team outlooks. And there's four— characters that I know for a fact I'm keeping, but only four. I've got three maybes, and I have no concept. I have also mock-drafted what I think you may select uh, based off of who you might drop, and I have created a priority list for your potential castaways whom I would want on my team. It is something that I wouldn't say has kept me up at night, but it's certainly been occupying my mind Way more than it has every right to do so. So, <laughs> if we wanted to add even more stress to this, uh, we also don't have discussed who is going first. So, like we were always going to do, uh, we are going to roll a 20 sided die. And I, we're going with highest, highest gets to choose. Yes, highest gets to choose. All right. Highest gets to choose. I am rolling. <laughs> <laughs> I got a two. Well,
1: Wraith, you beat me because I got a critical one. <laughs> Holy cow! I got to retire these dice. Uh, these were the ones I just had handy, and I even, when I pulled them out, was like, I should look for another set real quick because these don't roll great. Uh, all right, well, round one is strictly a keeper. One character that we are keeping from the beginning, the, the, the leadership of my team has been pretty clear cut. Since, since that's kind of the idea that my team has been built around, uh, I'm just going right up front and saying, I am keeping Mikey from the Goonies.
0: That, that is, He's my leader, he is my heart, uh, and he is uh, staying on the team. Yeah. I mean, no surprise uh, here from me. Um, and I'm going to follow suit for my round one keeper. I am also going to keep the choice that I made for the Goonies, so I'm going to be keeping Data. I think I would be just remiss if I didn't include uh, at least one gadget person on my team. Uh, Not
1: so. who I expected you to keep first. Interesting. Okay. Already yeah. deviating from my master plan here. I see how you are, Drew. Uh, all right. Round two. Also, just a keeper. And this I, I struggled just for a little while and I looked at my roster and I went, yeah, there's one other character that is just very obviously someone I have to keep because I was so excited to get them at the draft when we we discussed that film and that is uh Beverly. Beverly Marsh from It chapter 1 is
0: also making my final team. Okay, I have just dropped one of my four possible team <laughs> configurations. <laughs> I thought that was the least likely uh, one that you would drop, but um, okay, good to know. To say that this character became the second one I knew for a fact that I was going to keep su- surprised me. For my second keeper, I'm going to take Judy from BMX Bandits. I think without, uh, she's the bikiest of the Kids on Bikes characters in all. All of the bikey movies that we have talked about. And um, yeah, I really, when I thought about the team from a cinematic standpoint, I really wanted someone who's like persona, sadly, maybe only personality trait is being nice and good on bikes. So uh, yeah, that that's uh, what I'm going with. And now she can encourage you to return to the theaters. So, you know, <laughs>
1: for those who did not catch our conversation on BMX Bandits and don't know what the heck we're talking about, uh, Judy is played by Nicole Kidman. The the yeah, origin of Nicole Kidman, basically.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Nicole Kidman has gone up for an Academy Award, uh, right? Yes. For, oh, yeah. Was it for the um, hours? So I have uh, two. So yeah. far, my team contains of... Two Academy Award, at least nominees, uh, and one winner.
1: Yeah, and one winner. Okay, that's that's interesting. I didn't think about that.
0: Yeah, that that is not going to be the case for round three, <laughs> but go ahead. Uh.
1: All right, for round three, I am giving two names, one who I am keeping and one who I am dropping. Uh, in alphabetical order, uh, those two names are Edgar Frog from The Lost Boys and Goose from BMX Bandits. So following your Judy there with, with Goose.
0: Uh, yeah. Drew, who am I keeping? When you said there was one clear-cut character, and you told me Beverly, I thought you were going to say Edgar Frog. Um, that was a, a character who I thought for sure uh, you're going to keep because you seemed so incredibly excited about it. Um, and if you don't keep it, there'll be no Corys on any of these teams. <laughs> However, one of my possible outcomes looking at your list says that Goose would be a better one depending on the rest of the crew that you you have. But I just think with all the praise that you have heaped on the Lost Boys, and rightfully so, I think it, you're going to have to keep Edgar. Am I wrong?
1: No, you are absolutely right. I am keeping Edgar Frog. Uh, you know, I, I need a little bit of muscle. Uh, I need a little bit of, of grit, And, uh, Edgar provides that. And, and Goose is, uh, we talked about it when we talked about BMX Bandits. He's just an underdeveloped character. He's not, you know, his, his love of movies was kind of a fun thread in there, but that's, that's about it. There's just not a lot to him, uh, to really bring into the team. So Edgar doesn't necessarily, although Beverly is kind of grit too. So all of a sudden I have heart and a lot of grit. (laughs)
0: Nothing wrong with a lot of grit. I think uh, as someone who's probably going to end up with a lot of grit on their team, um, nothing wrong with that. Based on what you drafted, yes. All right, Drew,
1: Drew, your turn. Round three, two
0: names. Well, I've got two names. Uh, And so the two names I'm going is Grandpa Emerson and Tony. You're two adults. You're putting them up against each other. I'm putting them up. There can only be one. Uh, And I, I mean... Based off of our conversation prior to this, uh, which one do you think I'm keeping? Oh, uh,
1: you know, there, there's a part of me that that thinks, you know, Tony is the the soul of this group. You you flat out said like he is the character that gels your entire group together. Now that's assuming that you're keeping Moses, who I assumed you would keep in round one, but you haven't kept Moses yet, which makes me wonder if that's still true. So there's a part of me that's going, okay, after you guilted me into not picking him for the movie, are you now having buyer's remorse for Tony, (laughs) and you're going to keep Grandpa Emerson and and ditch Tony, and you know my my gesture of kindness
0: by the wayside. I I think you're keeping Tony and 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 getting rid of Grandpa Emerson. Yeah, um, Grandpa Emerson was... I was so proud of that choice. Uh, I thought, what a perfect character to bring into the team that I was developing at that time. And the team has since changed. Um, I think you're right. Tony is is perfect for what I, I intend to get out of my team. And uh, that hasn't changed at all. Yeah, I was very happy to have Tony. And, um, you know, who knows? Maybe uh, Grandpa will... will Land on his feet. You know, he's still got his uh, root beers and his double-stuffed Oreo cookies, so he's <laughs> he's good. I could go for a root beer and double-stuffed Oreo cookies right about now. Uh, all right. By the way, these are the, the only three uh, easy choices. Everything else from here on out, I am terrified by. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so it, it sounds to me like I have laid out my list, I've made my choices, and I'm just going to be reporting on them while you are going to be here in agony actually making the choices live as we record this.
0: Like I said, um, I have, depending on who you drop, and that is one of the reasons why I'm I'm sweating this, is um, if you drop one or two individuals... Uh, I will, sooner rather than later, I will know what my final round is going to be. Um, Fair. But we'll have to see. We'll have to see. All right. Round, round four. Round
1: four. Two names once again. One's a keeper, one's a dropper. Again, just going in alphabetical order, I am bringing to the table Glenn from The Gate and Jane from Frog Dreaming. Mm. Well,
0: I don't know what your... I don't know what your, your team development is. You don't really have a gadget g- person, uh, and Glenn is that. So I would probably guess Glenn? Glenn is my gadget person. Yes,
1: absolutely. I'm keeping uh, Glenn... Uh, yeah, for that exact reason is I didn't get uh, a, a a you you got two gadget people and I I didn't get anybody else. But also, I think the dynamic between Glenn and Mikey works
0: really well. Like I think they would be like Glenn Glenn would be an excellent goonie, you know? Oh, agreed, a hundred percent agreement. Um, one of the things that I I kind of sought the wisdom of the ages in helping me make a decision, and I came across a TV tropes article on power dynamics on teams, um, the power trio, When happens when your team only consists of three, what roles they play. There was one on five and there's one um, on seven based off of the Seven Samurai. And I was looking at that and kind of studying and saying, does does my potential team slot into that? And in many ways, it, it kind of does. Um, but one of the things that uh, that grouping has is you generally have someone who is Older on a team, you know, like kind of the wizen veteran who can talk to the but then you also have someone who is younger on the team. And between Glenn and Jane, those are kind of your two youngest characters, right. I think, in, in any of our selections um for these movies. And I, I think you're absolutely right. They would they would go over very well. And I think both the gadgets and the youth and the heart, uh, Glenn is a really good choice for you. All right, your turn. Two names, Drew. So with the seven samurai. It's very difficult in a Kids on Bikes thing to have an elder wizened veteran, right? Because they're all kids. However, there is a difference between kids and teens. There's actual logistic difference when you're playing using the, the Kids on bike system, right? I don't have a lot of teens. Most of mine are really hovering in the youth, maybe 14, 15. But like my next uh, choice is kind of looking at that. Uh, and that is Kay from The Kid Who Would Be King and Sam from Now and Then. Interesting. K and Sam.
1: Again, if you're going with Moses as your leader, which, again, we haven't established that you are, Kay as an enforcer works better, but I don't think that's the direction you're going. I think you're going to
0: drop Kay and keep Sam. I am dropping Sam. And keeping K. Wow. And and I'll tell you, this is this was a really tough choice, and I made this decision yesterday. I rewatched *The Kid Who Would Be King*, and there's two things that I really loved about Kay in that film. Um, the first is in the initial setup where they're in the construction site and they're about to be attacked, and they are playing along with being knighted. He asks her to kneel in front of her and She goes, "I kneel for no one." I'm like, "Yeah." That's solid for a character who yeah. doesn't get a lot of character development. And the next is in that same, basically in the next scene, we find out K is the only one of the group who knows how to drive. Um, we don't know what Kay's background is. I put would originally put Kay as a kind of unlikely ally, right? He's definitely a bully character. And I already have one of those. But Kay also has really good clothes uh, and really good equipment. I kind of feel like Kay might be a rich kind of spoiled kid who's maybe ignored by their parents. And I think that might play into it really, really well. So that's the reason I'm going with Kay.
1: That makes sense. That makes perfect sense. Not exactly what I was expecting, but...
0: uh, Yeah. Yeah. And and there's a reason. Uh, I love Sam. Oh my gosh, I love Sam. Plus, again, you know, Sam's parents are going through a divorce or have gone through a divorce and there's a whole lot going on with her. Smart, brilliant. But depending on who I select... Um, I may have someone who kind of fills that spot as well. Gotcha. So that was a tough one for me. I can I can see why.
1: All right, uh round 5 I am heading to the uh AV club for round 5 as I bring out again in alphabetical order Charles from Super 8 and Gloria from Vampires versus the Bronx.
0: Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. All right. So my initial thought was that very tentative string of we like movies was going to be where I thought your kind of backbone of your team structure was going to be coming from. I really liked the idea of Charles as a director. I really like the idea of Gloria as being the tech person. I really liked the idea of Goose being kind of the expert who could also run stunts. Um, I thought, oh, that's such a really good thing. And even though you didn't love how Super 8 finalized there was this chance that you could redeem the film with your own kind of Super 8 team. Right. But this is clearly stating that that is not going to be the case. Ah. And if you're not doing that, I think these are really interesting characters. I think Charles has a little bit more depth because we get more with Charles. I mean, clearly we get a lot more with Charles. But I also think Gloria has so much potential. So Gloria would be the one I would pick. Who are you going with? I am going with uh Charles I'm keeping Charles
1: okay. I think in in his own movie he does you know steal the spotlight with the the stuff that he's got going on I think adding him to my team he uh blends in pretty well with his childhood trauma that's going on and uh you know I I think he becomes a well-rounded team I, I did think about the movie aspect uh that you that you mentioned Um, but I think, you know, honestly, the main reason I'm, I'm dropping Gloria is kind of the same reason I dropped goose, even though he's a big movie lover is that we just don't know enough about her. Like correct. Statting her was really tough because we didn't have enough to go on. And I, I felt like I was kind of really pulling stuff out of thin air to, to, to trope her.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, I think that's a a real tough one. Um, so looking at the team structure of seven, uh, I came across a term that I had never heard before Uh, And that is, you know, you have your hero who's kind of the leader of the group, but then you've got the lancer and the lancer is the hero's opposite, not in necessarily, they have the kind of the same goal in mind. Uh, They'll get there, but they have a different way of doing it. So if you think of your Luke Skywalkers and your Han Solos, they're both kind of heading in that same direction, but they're doing it for a very different path. I feel like in many ways, Charles is sort of your Lancer. Um, I know we mentioned when we talked about Super 8 that he might split the party, but in a good way. Right. Like he might offer intelligent criticism to Mikey in a way that kind of like... And, and possibly using movie dialogue to you're like, no, don't, don't haven't you watched the films? Don't you know that that plan never works? If I were directing this, Charles, this is not a movie, right? Um, so I, I get it. I think that's a, a really good one, and it has made me question something here. All right, all right, cool. All right, um, you 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 had your battle of the AV club. I'm going to do battle of the glasses. Uh, For mine, my two are uh, Terry from The Gate and Richie from It. Oh, my God. So you're only keeping
1: one of them. Yes. Oh, that is, uh, I think, based on your reaction when we actually went through those movie conversations... Um, you were much more excited to get Terry on your team than you were to get Richie. And for that reason alone, uh, and you just mentioned a minute ago about the whole divorced parents, someone to fill in that trauma, and that's definitely Terry as well. So I'm going to say you're going with Terry and uh, that Richie is going beep beep.
0: Yeah, uh, I think that is exactly correct. Um, And this was one of the biggest struggles for me because... From a standpoint of just thinking about, like, sitting around a table, the player who would be playing Richie would probably be really frustrating. But at the same time, generally, when you're looking at teams like this in movies or books or anything, um, Richie is the, the, annoying, the annoying one who has qualities, but, like, you know, you kind of have to dig deep to get to them. And it was just too annoying <laughs> 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 for eventually. And they have very similar... I think they come from a similar place, but Terry, I think, comes across as being far more competent. And honestly, it's more his fashion sense and his music taste that really won the day for me. And I had Sam in the same category as, uh, as these two. Um, it was trying to figure out if I wanted Sam, Terry, or Richie. Um, right. And I, Richie got dropped first, and then it was between Sam and Terry and uh terry won the day uh barely and this is that was one i was been fighting with so yeah so that's what i've got we have five yikesers
1: (laughs) all right uh for round six it is again two names one is being kept one is being dropped i am moving to the comedic sidekicks, which at one point I felt like was most of my team. And thankfully, either I was wrong with that or I deviated from that early enough that that didn't end up being the case. But I still ended up with betters from the kid who would be king and Vern from Stand By Me. Um,
0: I think you're going betters. Um, I think I think betters is a better and more rounded character uh and i think the potential with him is is greater for storytelling nothing against vern at all but um i think i think i know i could do more with betters than i could with vern how about what do you think
1: i think the number 1 movie i ranked when we talked about the best of these movies is stand by me and that it absolutely breaks my heart to let <laughs> vern go he was <laughs> not the character I was expecting this to be, and uh, yeah, it it, uh, it 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 hurts. Uh, but I also find it interesting, you know, when we did trope Stand By Me, I didn't trope Vern as the comic relief. I've troped him as the goody-goody. And I almost think that if the second edition rules had been out when we did The Kid Who Would Be King, I probably would have troped Bedivere also as a goody-goody to some degree.
0: Mm-hmm. He's yeah. not
1: quite as rule following as Vern is, but his uh motivation is pure if that mm-hmm. makes sense. What round is this? This is round six two names one you're keeping one you're dropping. You should
0: have four names left drew. I do. Uh, <laughs> you were gonna you were gonna plot. you ready? Yeah Moses? And Chris Chambers. Well, we did talk at the time
1: that you drafted Chris, that you really couldn't have both of them. That they 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 not that that was going to be a complication, and, and that that was also when you were looking at your team as being kind of just anarchy, and maybe a second leader wouldn't be as big a problem because he'd just go off on his own with another group and do their own thing. But I don't think you've maintained that. With the characters that you've kept, I don't think 100% that you've maintained that. I think uh, poor Stand By Me is not going to get represented in the final draft and that you're keeping Moses.
0: You are correct. Yeah, this was hard um, because, Chris, uh, both of them exemplify kind of where I wanted my character's origin stories to come from, and... I think Chris really works well as a negotiator, and the only reason that Chris is being dropped uh, is because you have dropped someone I want for my team, and Chris is going in order to to pick that character so interesting uh that is that is why Chris has to. Leave and it's heartbreaking. Yeah, I know it's heartbreaking. I, I hated.
1: I hated. I told you an hour and a half. I mulled yeah. over who was going to go. Vern was one of the possibilities, and now it is round seven. I have yeah. two characters left. Uh huh. One of them is uh, Pest. Uh huh. And the other is Adult Roberta, Doctor Roberta, as we were calling. Right again, just going in alphabetical order. Pest was the other one who was potentially on the chopping block. Yeah. Uh, Vern or or Pest? I just I love Pest so much. I mean, dude yes. is so so funny, and and Vern is funny too. And it was really heartbreaking. Uh, so I have Pest, I have Roberta, and I'm going to drop one of them. Yeah, I'm going to drop Doctor Roberta, and I'm going sure. to pick up Grandpa Emerson from Your Strays. And my final team will include Pest. And Grandpa Emerson as my peripheral adult, because I feel like th- as we got further in, uh, and I, it's Tony's fault, as we got further in, I started feeling less happy with the Dr. Roberta choice. I thought at the time that I made it, when we talked about Now and Then, it was a really clever choice.
0: Yeah, agreed. Uh,
1: but uh, I I felt like there were other – I feel like she – I don't know that she would be peripheral enough, uh, whereas Grandpa Emerson would be. So I'm going to go with that for my final team.
0: I think that, that makes sense. I didn't think for a moment that you were going to drop Pest. Um, on my list of priorities, my top being Beverly, my second being Pest.
1: Now, let me say, the one advantage I had in this, Drew, uh-huh. you, you know, I, I made the, the joke earlier about, you know, you dropping Tony and, and slapping my, my gift of kindness to you in the face— <laughs> I had that. That's the way that episode played out. Made me ninety percent sure you were not oh, yeah. going to drop Tony. And I actually have written in my round seven steal Grandpa Emerson. <laughs> so, I had no doubt that you were not.
0: I had no doubt you were going to drop him. I knew you were going to drop him. I I I gave you two choices that I thought that you would be very happy with. Um, and I I'm not dropping them as a thank you for right. for for giving me Tony. But I thought Emerson was was going. But I also thought there was a chance that you would keep Doctor Robert if it meant getting Chris Chambers. Um, it's it was really tempting. I gotta say, yeah.
1: If if you had dropped him much earlier, that may have suddenly shifted my entire team. But since you dropped him later, and and I had already kind of developed my team, it was a little late to throw him in there. Which is part of the strategy of this: is when do you drop some of these characters?
0: No, and and that's and that's um. I'm realizing that there was a uh, a drop character that I haven't – a character I haven't m- mentioned yet. Um, so the two characters I have left are Cody Walpole right, and Alice from Super 8, right. um, both of which have dysfunctional – well, Alice definitely has a dysfunctional family. Cody has almost the opposite of a dysfunctional family, which is that uh, it has no parents, and uh, Gaza is <laughs> yeah, not I really there. Yeah. <laughs> For Cody. And I'm only going to keep one of them. Uh,
1: yeah, you already said you were going to steal somebody. So yeah. I'm I'm guessing Cody Walpole is being dropped. As much as you love that character, as much as that's your nostalgic character, you already have a tinkerer. You don't really need him to fill that role anymore. I think you're going to drop him. And who do you think I'm picking up from your team? I, I haven't the foggiest. <laughs> That's the part that is getting me. The best I can guess is Gloria because you don't have – but that doesn't fit your dynamics. I I haven't – like when you said I dropped somebody that you're picking up, I immediately looked at my list and went, who?
0: All right. So when you dropped this character, I made the choice between uh, Sam Ritchie and Terry. Oh. And the reason I chose to keep Terry between those other two – is Terry's, one of his final lines in that movie is going, you know, I bet it would be nice to have a little sister. I'm taking Jane. Wow. Because I want a young character. I want someone who's younger than everybody else. I think the dynamic of Jane will be both kind of the funny sidekick. Right. Right but also the young one in the group that they have to be protective of. But I also like that Jane is not going to see herself as being someone to be protected. Um, I think there's not a lot of fear in Jane. But you're wrong about Cody. Uh, I'm going to drop Alice. Oh my goodness. And I'm going to keep Cody Walpole. And it's something that I almost, it was a choice really between Cody and Chris Chambers, because I like the idea of either someone negotiating and being a mediator between two groups within my group. I like I like a little bit of friction. But I think that Cody is going to be kind of rogue in the way that, it, and that's going to be problematic. And I don't think, I think Moses is going to have to step up. But I also think Cody could be the Lance. So I think Moses and Cody are kind of co- um, folks, but I think they're all kind of rogue in general. So my final team, uh, and my final selection is going to be Cody and Jane, which is not what I was planning. Uh, but I think, I think that will be, I think it's going to be a really interesting dynamic. I think almost all of my characters, with the exception of Data, who we know has a really positive relationship with, with his, his parents. parents. Right. Jane has a, a, a fairly problematic relationship with her mother. By the way, mother, not stepmother. Um, I have clarification on that. Um, One of the things that we're going to add as a little bonus somewhere is uh, this past weekend or uh, two weeks ago, I got a chance to go to a Doctor Who convention and interview Katie Manning, who plays Jane, Jane and Wendy's uh, mom. And I got some really interesting behind the scenes stories about frog dreaming from one of the actors. Awesome. Uh, And so I'm editing that now and we'll, we'll put it in somewhere, but um, yeah, I think, I think that's, uh, uh, hopefully this will allow me to sleep. (laughs) I'm so happy to be done. All right, Drew. Um, So, so go down the rundown, your final team. So my final team is while I don't have a clear cut leader, my, my leaders are Moses and Cody. My funny character in my group of seven is Data. Uh, my veteran is going to be Kay. Um, my muscle, the strong one, is kind of Moses as well. Um, So I've got Judy. I've got Terry. I've got Tony as my peripheral adult. And is that everyone I, I covered? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think that's and your final list is Mikey as my leader, as he has been from the very
1: start, which is sure, really informed most of the choices that I've made Um, with Beverly and Edgar Frog as kind of my toughs, if you will. Uh, I have a Glenn as my tinkerer. Uh Charles is kind of my my media consultant slash expert because I think he does bring that cinematic knowledge. Uh betters and pest both are kind of the the funny sidekick types, uh with pest being a little more of a heavy than better's. But betters having the 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 support of that heart. As somebody pointed out that between Mikey and Betters, I have two different Samwises. Uh yeah, yeah,
0: agreed. And then Grandpa Emerson as my my peripheral adult. So I think the other thing too is you have a lot of potential. I think we both have a lot of potential for um, pairings. Um, yeah, characters pairing off, and I really want to see the adventure where Glenn and Pest get separated from the rest of the group and have to solve their problems through rocketry. Um, <laughs> I love so it. So I think I think that's really excellent. I'm um, I'm excited that uh, for for both of our teams. I- I'm curious, Rafe, um, if you could have taken any one character from my team. To bring into yours, not just one I dropped, but one I kept. Who would it have been? Any one character, oddly enough,
1: one that you did drop. No, there's two. There's two. One that you did drop, uh, but I didn't pick up, which is Chris Chambers. If I had right. had him earlier on, I, I probably would have developed my team very differently. A lot of the dropped characters probably would have stayed, actually. Um, and Data. I mean, you you st- yeah. stole one of the best dudes right off the get- go. <laughs>
0: well, yeah. Yeah, I think I think both of those kind of – I would have taken Beverly in a heartbeat. I'm sure. Um, I'm sure. Yeah. In fact, you know, not that Beverly was, I didn't have a chance of choosing Beverly. I think my only real regret so late in the game was choosing Richie, um, in, instead of Mike, I think Mike would have been a better choice for my team dynamic, um, both with his family background to fit in with the group. I think he, he was the smarter move. So I kind of regret that one. And maybe Alice for Carrie in Super 8. Uh, so the one thing that I kind of feel like like I don't have is maybe like that, that kind of crazy energy. And I think Carrie would have fit, fit that bill. Um, Teddy from Stand By Me was too much. He was <laughs> that to 12. He's just jumped right over 11. Um, I think that would have been a, a little much. Pest sort of has that, but like I think Pest would have fit in Fairly well with the group. But yeah, I think if I could have taken one uh, from your group, it would have been Beverly. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm real happy with, with the way this turned out. And I actually like, too, that Jane not only being the young one, she has um, some gadgetry skills herself, which sure. maybe is redundant. And I get, like, I can see Graham um, going to chide me about choosing Cody Walpole over Chris Chambers because I think Chris maybe fits the bill. But there is no way I was walking away from this draft without Cody Walpole. <laughs> um, talking about movies uh,
1: that we wish we maybe we had picked differently or, su- or such, I agree totally with you. Uh, I-, I think if I-, I had picked Carrie instead of Charles, um, mm-hmm. I-, I think that th- there was a point where I think I realized that probably would have been a better fit um, for kind of the-, the wilder side of mine. Like, th- like can you imagine Carrie and Pest hanging out? Like, well, that's- I think that's probably one of the reasons you didn't, right? Because you kind of had that energy. Yeah. But, but And like, then and then Gloria in Vampires vs. the Bronx, I think, was probably not the most thought-out decision because I had kind of settled on Tony. And I think when I decided, okay, well, I'm not going to pick Tony, I should have taken a little more of a beat to think about who to pick because I don't think yeah. that, that was necessarily the best choice from
0: that film. Well, I, I think you ended up with Grandpa Emerson. And, uh, I mean, like, if you – it probably works out pretty well. Oh yeah, well oh it. yeah. I'm not complaining about
1: that. I I think uh, Grandpa Emerson is probably a better fit for my team than than Tony even would have been. I just liked Tony more than what I had, which with, with Doctor Roberta. So yeah, um, no, I have no regrets there. I like my team. I'm pretty happy with it. Uh, I think it's it's pretty well rounded. It's a, it skews a little young. Yeah, I will say that because you did pick some characters who are a little older, um, and I ditched most of my kind of older
0: characters. But uh, but no, I like it. Agreed. I think, I think both would be a lot of fun to play. And I, I think we should honestly try to do something. Um, you and I, I don't know if we can really talk about the project that we're working on right now. We have a gaming project that, that we've got to, got to focus our attention on, but somewhere down the line, I think we, we do a gaming session. Um, we, we stat and I'm, I know one of the things that we talked about potentially doing was statting some of our earlier draft picks with the second edition rules. That's going to have to wait for another time. Yeah, um, I think we've we've uh, we've really given a lot of energy to this, um, and we're not done yet because before we let you go, we need to talk about. Season two of Never Say Die. Right. Just
1: because the Kids on Bikes is coming to a close doesn't mean the podcast is. We are simply switching genres. And over the course of the two years that we have done this Kids on Bikes uh, season, (laughs) uh, (laughs) Uh, we have had several really good ideas for what our second season was going to look like. I think, Drew, you posited it way early on. Of doing something that would kind of tie into Monster of the Week, so so horror-themed movies, which which really intrigued me because you've been on my other podcast several times talking about horror movies. It's fun yeah. to talk horror movies with you. And at another point, you threw out uh, on the air, so people have been discussing it. The idea of the uh, One Crazy Night.
0: Yeah, I um the I think the advantage that One Crazy Night has is it's a really cast a wide net right like when you say monster of the week well we might have to fiddle with the definition of it a little bit um i think you get a basic idea of what that is going to entail it is going to be horror based uh, or you know action based certainly but one crazy night just it could be romance it could be comedy it could be horror it could be die hard you know i mean like it's there's a lot of films that fall into that sure however and both of those both of those are exceptional ideas and we're not throwing them away True. But one of the things that we clearly liked about the kids on bike genre in our format for season one, it was the draft. And I know that I had, I mean, it's very easy to say we could draft a team to fight monsters. That makes perfect sense. I mean, sure. that's yeah. And we'd do that. Absolutely. And we'd have yeah. fun doing that. It's a little harder to figure out what we would draft for one crazy night. And so while we were talking about that, we were discussing, you know, what's a genre where drafting a team for specific things makes the most sense and you came up with an idea so obvious and so perfect that i was admittedly a little ashamed that i didn't come up with earlier (laughs) rafe would you like to tell our listeners what season two is going to be themed
1: ladies and gentlemen in season two of never say die we are going to be looking at heist films we will be constructing the crack team to go on a heist as we look at heist
0: films i can i can hear people cheering (laughs) in the future uh it's such a fun idea i mean it's it lends itself to everything that we love about this podcast both discussing films because there's some really amazing heist films out there uh but also the gamification of it oh yeah lends itself to so much fun stuff
1: and a lot of new territory uh you know as you said we kind of have reached the point with kids on bikes where it was like well we've kind of talked about this and i think heist films opens up a whole new venue and gives us quite a bit of uh variety because it is a subgenre once again kind of like kids on bikes where we had horror and we had adventure and we had drama and you can have all those things in heist as well
0: Yeah. um, So, you know, I think the really the important thing, we're going to have a a season two session zero. So, you know, that will be our next episode and we'll talk about that. But I I think the really important thing is that you and I both have a lot of films to look at um, in order to get a better understanding of of what really needs to be discussed when we're talking about heist movies. But we are, more important than almost anything else, definitely doing a draft. And we are bouncing around some very fun ideas. Right now, we know that we're assembling a team. We know that at least one character is going to be a mastermind, and that will have a specific place within the draft, and everyone else will be a specialists. Specialist. I know at one point in time, we were trying to uh, create little boxes that you could be like, okay, now we're drafting a driver. Now we're drafting you know, a safe cracker. Now we're drafting, drafting a con person. And I think it's going to be more like we'll draft the team, and we are once again going to be paring it down, but we are playing around with a couple little twists um, for that draft that we haven't concretized yet, so we'll, we'll get to that. Because you know anything about heist movies, you know they always
1: have a twist. Yes.
0: <laughs> so, join us in roughly two weeks for our Season 2, Session 0 Heist movies, where we'll discuss our parameters for what we mean when we say heist movies. We will discuss and publish a list of films that we're considering, but we can certainly take any more recommendations if you have those. Absolutely. We will, we are going to change some things about the format. Um, So we'll be going over kind of what ideas we have with that um, for the podcast. And since Rafe chose uh, the first film for our kids on bike season, I will be selecting our first heist movie
1: Ooh, until then if you'd like to share your thoughts on the draft results or our rankings of our movies or what we have coming for season two uh, you can email us at the never say die podcast all jammed together the never say die podcast at gmail.com you can find us on Facebook at never say die cast it is a private group but we let in anybody we just do that to because you know Facebook uh we're on X. Formerly known as Twitter, uh, I think that's still what they're calling it these days. I think that actually is the former formal title is X. Formerly known as Twitter
0: uh, at Never Say Die Cast. Thank you to Chris Talent for our wonderful theme song and Megan Daly for our awesome artwork. And remember, even if the leaders of your team were a foregone conclusion from episode one, never say die.